Hey, welcome to the One Link Podcast. I'm so glad you guys are with us here today. Zach and I are here jumping back in with Julie as we continue to talk about uh, working with Hindus in South Asia. Well, shall we jump right in? Yeah, let's uh, let's jump right back into it. Yeah. Um, so let's jump in and talk a little bit about just gender dynamics. What are some of the distinctives of being a woman in a Hindu culture? What are some of the distinctives? Uh, you're a single woman of being a single American woman in a Hindu context. Uh, can we talk a little bit about that? For sure. It is definitely an interesting dynamic. I, I won't tell you guys how old I was when I moved to the field because I've already told you I was been there for 10 years. Then you'd be able to do the math and know how old I am now. But I was old enough. I feel like to be a confident, independent, single woman in America and do all those things that we're taught as Americans. Hey, you can be anything and do anything that you want to do and be. And then I get to South Asia and I realize, hey, that's not the mentality for women here. Um, They don't, in fact, know what to do with a strong, independent, single woman. And what I mean by that is it's just a male dominated society. And so thinking about even as we're engaging with whether it's college students, young professionals, or just women in general, these girls aren't brought up in a way where really they're able to, their goal in life is going to be to be married and to have a family. Not a bad goal. Uh, Certainly not a bad goal for them to have, but it really is shaping the opportunities that they're going to have. It's shaping their worldview, the way that they view or even thinking about college or pursuing um, a a job or anything like that. And so just recognizing that all of those things are at play when even my like documentation that I have like a card that says who I am in South Asia, it's got my dad's name on it. We would never do that here in 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 the the U.S., right? But it either has your father's or your husband's name on it because your identity it has to be tied to a male because it's a male dominated society. And so I think when you're working with Hindu women, just just recognizing that that's at play, and even the dynamic. Man, if I share with with this woman and she wants to believe, but her husband's not interested it really becomes problematic. And so that's one of the reasons why our team tries so hard to get into households. And that might look a little bit different with college students because sometimes they're not there with their families. They come to cities and they're solo. But when, when we can, we don't try to just share with an individual, but we try to get into a home and share with the entire house, uh, recognizing that women are going to be limited. And at the same time, Some of the ladies, it's kind of nice if we can get them off to the side because they're not going to want to talk about certain things. And so just recognizing there's a ton of different dynamics at play. For me personally, just serving in a male-dominated society, one of the things I had to do is just be willing to press into team. And so you come over and think, I can do this. I can can live here. I can get this done. I I can figure it out. But recognizing that Hey, I might actually need the brothers on my team to help me out. If I have a, you know, pipe gets messed up at my house and I have to call the plumber, I could call him all day long and he won't show up at my house. I ask one of the guys on my team to make one phone call and he shows up that afternoon. Uh, as an American woman, honestly, that drives me nuts. But if that's what it takes to be able to live there, if that's one minor sacrifice that I need to make to live there, I have an incredible team. Why would I not reach out and ask one of those guys to pick up the phone and help me in that? And so I think it's actually taught me a lot about dependence on the Lord, but also dependence on community and maybe even shown me what true biblical community actually looks like in a way that 
I didn't understand when I was in the States. And so I think that, I mean, that's one example of what it's looked like for me uh, serving overseas. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What about you had to have counted the cost when you moved over there? If you went for that initial two-year term, that probably meant you were agreeing not to date at all during that time. How did you wrestle with that? How did you decide? How did you count the cost? Yeah. I mean, I wish I could tell you that, hey, it was really easy and I just kind of checked that box and moved on to the next. But that would be dishonest to people who are listening, especially if if someone's listening and they're considering it. Like, hear me say, it really is something that you need to to wrestle with and and consider for me, it's come kind of in seasons, you know, like, like you said, that initial two years was like, well, it's two years, like it's a, whatever, it'll be okay. And then afterwards was like, no, I feel like the Lord's calling me a little bit longer term. What does this look like? Um, and I, I think in each instance, it's just been a matter of the Lord saying, Hey, will you be willing to just open-handedly surrender to me for the next three years? You know, like I, I have no idea how long the Lord will let me live in South Asia. I hope it's a long time, but we, we kind of approach our terms relatively in a a three-year mindset. And so it's been kind of coming and submitting and trusting. Sam Albury has a book out. It's called the seven myths of singleness. And he talks about it like this. He talks about trusting that singleness is actually a good gift from the Lord. And if, if it's the gift that he's given you right now, and you know, if he's given you the gift right now, because if you're single or not, if you're single, he's given you that gift and trust that he knows the good gifts to give, you know, like he said, Sam says it like, you know, sometimes your great aunt might give you you, Christmas morning, you open that gift and you're like, what the heck is this? Like, I didn't, I didn't ask for this. I don't even know what it is. This is terrible. How can I take it back? What's the nearest place that I can take it back and get something I want? God's not like that. He knows us better than we know ourselves. And so I may personally think, I don't want this gift. This isn't what I asked for. Um, But I can trust that he created me and that he knows me better than I know myself. And in this season, this is the gift that he's chosen to give me. And so I'm going to trust if the Lord's telling me to be in South Asia, then I can trust he's going to take care of every area of my life. And that also is going to include whether I'm single or whether I'm married. I can trust him in that. Mm-hmm. That's a really good word. Do you ever worry about your safety there being single? Yeah, that's a good question. South Asia is a, a hard place for our single women to serve for that reason that you just mentioned. And, and some places are going to be even harder than others in South Asia. I think that's when it does come down to team. You know, we talked about very, very rarely do I, especially in ministry, go out alone. So if I'm going out, I want to I want a South Asian sister with me because I want to be discipling and encouraging her. But it's also good in terms of of safety. Now, I might go out and buy my groceries by myself because I've been there for 10 years and know my city and know the, the places to go. So there's an element, you know, just like if I was in New York City, there's certain places in the city that I might like just pay more attention to my surroundings as I'm out and about. It's going to be the same way in South Asia but I don't feel like I have to walk around in fear, but I walk around in wisdom and know, Hey, when, when do, when do I need to ask, you know, one of the brothers on our team to go out with us, or when do we need to make sure that we're going out in pairs and recognizing that. And it's also a great opportunity to press into South Asian community as well. Um, You know, asking them like, Hey, is it safe for us to go out into this particular area and to do this? 
And they may say, absolutely, go for it, or we're going to go with you. And so looking to the South Asian church to help us as brothers and sisters, because they understand the context and the culture far better than we will. For sure. I feel like in the history of of missions, women, single women have far outshone men in terms of like being willing to go to dangerous places and suffer. And uh, I commend you as being one of those ladies. What about, I'm going to switch topics after I praise you a little bit. What about for the Hindu woman? She's thinking about getting married. She's thinking about a, a home. Does she have a box to put you in? How does it relate in terms of like our single guys that are going out on a team? How do they relate with the women? Yeah, that's an excellent question. Uh, they don't have a box to put me in, to be honest, because I'm 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 past the South Asian marrying age and still single. And so there's and and because arranged marriage is a thing here, they just they don't really this. Hindu women don't know what to do with that. Uh, And we normally joke about it when they ask me when I'm going to get married um, or if I want to marry one of their sons, which is it it happens and comes up in conversation. We laugh about it. And roti is the round bread that they make in South Asia in most places. And so I normally joke and just tell them, hey, I can't make round roti yet. And so until I can do that, I'm not I'm not ready. And we get a good laugh out of it. Or it becomes a good teachable moment to just say, hey, I trust in the sovereignty of God and I trust in the Lord's plan. And in my culture, arranged marriage isn't really a thing. And so I'm trusting that if the Lord desires that for me, then he'll provide it. So it can become a a discipleship opportunity Mm -hmm. or just a spiritual point of spiritual conversation with them. In terms of just where they are in general, though, a lot of times when you're sharing with them, they don't feel like they can make that decision by themselves. So what you're sharing, you can tell is resonating with their heart when you're talking about the gospel, you're talking about Jesus, but there's so much that's involved in them counting that cost uh, because abuse is a thing in this culture. Their security, financial security is often tethered to their husband or their parents. And so if they make this decision to step out, uh, it can be really difficult for them. So when a Hindu woman comes to faith, and I'm I'm right now I'm thinking particularly of one friend of mine, and for security I won't mention her name, but she has stepped out in faith, turned away from the religion of her family, and and in a lot of ways her family has turned their back on her. She hasn't gotten married because of that, which culturally is just like people don't understand that either. But her faith is so strong. And she's taught me so much about what it actually means to love Jesus and to follow him without reservation or hindrance. But she's made a lot of sacrifices in her life. And so you'll see Hindu women really wrestle with that initially. But when they make the decision, you can believe that they're serious about it because they realize what all they can lose from following. Do you feel like it's more, more, uh, more risk for them than for men? Sometimes. I don't, I don't know if I should be that bold <laughs> to say that because uh, I don't know what it's like to be a South Asian man. But I, I do think there's just a lot more for them to lose in terms of security and safety. Mm-hmm. There's some different issues involved. So that's why it's not it's apples and oranges in some ways. But yeah. that's what I, that would be my comment for guys versus girls. But and mm-hmm. both of them are challenging. So. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Can I ask a follow-up question? Um, and I just think about our 
our students listening to some of this already in their minds becoming a little bit mm, hardened, a little bit like, mm, you know, <laughs> how do you yourself and how would you advise uh, some of our ladies and not just single ladies, but any ladies going there not to become hardened or to become too sort of cynical of that, that culture that they're going to experience this summer or even long-term. Yeah. I'm so glad that you brought that up, Zach, because I think that that definitely can be a tendency. And if I'm honest at times, maybe even in my own life over the last 10 years can feel that pendulum swing back and forth just a little bit. I think the first thing I would say is if the Lord's calling you to South Asia, start praying now for the people. When you're genuinely praying, you might not love everything about South Asia the whole time you're here. But I think when we're genuinely praying for a people that the Lord softens our heart and causes us to love and to see things and asking God specifically for that, Lord, let me see these people through your eyes and to love them with the ability I don't have. We love because he's first loved us. Right. And so as we've received his love and love him through that, can we also love the people that are around us? So prayer, I think, is the biggest one. And then I think just opening up yourself to genuine relationship when you get here. I feel like in COVID, you know, as you guys know, the whole world knows this weird lockdown situation. South Asia had intense lockdowns. But what came out of this, this like dark, hard season for me has been flourishing relationships with my South Asian brothers and sisters and in a whole new way, just a love and an appreciation for them. The culture hasn't changed. All those things that we've been talking about are still at play. But the relationships with that, that I have with my you know core group of South Asian brothers and sisters that I do life and church and community with, man, I, I love those brothers and sisters. And so I would say to someone coming out, look for that. Now, in a summer, you may not have... 15 people that you go super deep with, but who's that one believer that you can really go deep in relationship with and look for opportunities to genuinely get to know them and be encouraged. Uh, Hopefully you're going to come over and do a lot of good things and invest into the local people, but, but they're going to bless you in ways that you don't expect as well. If you'll open yourself up to that. Mm -hmm. Thanks. I think mine was a different context, but I think I would tell students to just remember what you're there for, because it's really easy to pick whatever issue you, you think of and be like, I want to fix this. I'm going to fix fix this male-dominated society, or I'm going to fix this, you name it, whatever you want to name. And and no matter how many how many ways you spin it in your head that you could possibly fix it or whatever, there's no way to fix it other than changing their hearts, and only Jesus changes hearts. And so... I found that it was easy when I got frustrated to go back to that. Oh yeah, that's I'm not here to fix that. Jesus will fix that. I'll I'll work on this one little small task. That's so good. Well, Zach, you got anything else? I think that's hit a pretty good lick. No, that was so good and so thorough <laughs> and so well said. Yeah. You know, you sure you didn't prepare prepare all this ahead of time? <laughs> Yeah. You, awesome. you, you've uh, spoken on these topics before, I can tell. <laughs> I'm just a little bit passionate about them, that's all. That's good, that's good. Yeah, yeah. I appreciate you guys making this happen. Yeah, well, we're so grateful that you came on the podcast. I think it'll be a good help for our students. Uh, hopefully some of them will get to meet you in person, and uh, that'll be really exciting as well. Let me pray for you and your work and the work in South Asia. 
before we end this. Awesome. Jesus, uh, we are so thankful for our time with Julie today and thankful for what you're doing in her life. And we're thankful, God, that you've given her a decade there. And we pray that you would give her give her another decade. Um, I pray that you would make her work fruitful. We pray that her team, her team dynamics and the team dynamics of the students that come to work with them, Lord, that you would fill them with love for one another, that they would, they would know we are Christians by our love. We pray for her relationships with the local church, with the local sisters. And Lord, we pray that you would multiply your work out throughout the local um, South Asian believers. And that Lord, even that you would um, begin sending them out beyond their own context into other contexts. We're so thankful uh, for your, for your, uh, work that you do and for allowing us to join it. And we just pray a special blessing on Julie and uh, I pray all that in your name. We pray. Amen. Amen. Thanks guys. Thank you for your time. I appreciate it. And uh, we'll be praying you make a safe trip back and get plugged in quickly and uh, back settled into your home. I appreciate that. Appreciate all you guys are doing to send students. Keep sending our way. (laughs) Okay. Okay. Thanks a lot. We will do that. 